Does anybody know what day it is today? Sunday? It's a good start. I'm sorry, Pentecost Sunday. I think, as I've been thinking about it, it's probably the third most important day in the year on the Christian calendar. I didn't realize that, but you got Christmas, Easter, they're kind of tied. You can debate which ones are more important. They're definitely the top two. And after that is Pentecost Sunday. Why is that? I hope by the end of the service you'll understand why. Um, Typically, we associate the word Pentecost Pentecost with Pentecostal-type people, who, by the way, are some of my favoritest people in the world. Right, Jerry? Right. We've got a lot of friends at Calvary Temple, a lot of brothers and sisters there. We, We love them, and we love what they're about. But I grew up in a church tradition where those people were little... Uh, they're okay, they're a little scary. And that's because in my tradition, we believed in God the Father, God the Son, this Jesus, and, well, we know there's the, the God, the Holy Spirit, but we're not sure about that, and we're a little scared, a little apprehensive about that. But what happened in Pentecost is absolutely essential. If we're going to follow Jesus, it's absolutely essential. So this morning, we want to dive into uh, what happened on the day of Pentecost a little bit. I do have some verses on PowerPoint with really cool pictures, as always. But, but I, I need you to follow on. I'm going to invite you to follow along in, those, in that odd technology in the pew in front of you. It's called a book. It's a Bible. And Acts chapter 2, it's in the second half. Maybe when someone finds actors, Acts chapter 2... Yell out and tell me what page it is, okay? 831. 831. Bingo. All right. Kind of like a sword drill, right, Helen? You know what those are. Okay. Great. Page 831. And uh, we're going to pick it up from here. Just, um, I'm going to be talking about four things to do with the day of Pentecost. There's the promise of Pentecost, the power of Pentecost, people of Pentecost, and the whole point of Pentecost. And at the end of the service... I'm going to give us an opportunity to say, God, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be filled with you. If you were here last week, you watched your pastor basically walk the plank and say, oh, gee, I wish I was here last week. No, your pastor watched the plank, walked, walked the plank and said, spend the week asking God what he wants to fill you with. So I hope you've done that. And even if you haven't, don't feel guilty. This is a no-guilt zone. Just be open to what Holy Spirit has for you today. Because everyone's full of something, and the invitation for us is to be full of the Spirit of Jesus. Wouldn't it be great to have Jesus with you all the time? Seriously. Wouldn't that be great? What do I do now? What should I do now? Help me love that person. I can't stand that person. Oh, do I have to do this? Can Can you help me? Give me some understanding. I need some wisdom, understanding. Wouldn't that be great, having Jesus with us all the time? Yeah. And that's the whole point of Pentecost Sunday. So let's uh, dive into it. Um, There's the promise of Pentecost. Um, And it's found, even back in the Old Testament, God is, is, is promising that he's going to do something. And this is what he's, he's saying to his people. 
Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. You'll no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. What God is saying to his beloved in the Old Testament, saying, I know you guys, you're trying, you just don't have that heart attitude. I'm going to remove that. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And, and it's going to be like me working from inside of you to transform you. So it's not about following rules or rituals. The rules or rituals are in place just to teach us that we need God. We need God inside us, changing us from the inside up, right? Rules and rituals can be helpful in reminding us of our need for God, but that's their purpose. Jesus said he came to fulfill these commandments, So there's a promise that God is going to do something. And even right before he left planet Earth, Jesus said to his friends, okay, guys, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, the gift of the Spirit. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let's rewind the timing. Good Friday, Jesus dies Easter Sunday, Jesus is risen from the dead. Everyone's like, ah! And he appears several times to his disciples over the following 40 days. Then he ascends into heaven. That's what we were remembering last week in Ascension Sunday. And then he says, just before he leaves, last directions before, final directions before leaving planet Earth, he says, wait guys, pray. Holy Spirit's going to come. Okay, in just a few days. So, Ten days later, you know, he, this, he says, this is what's going to happen. You will receive power when Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, this is just a small, motley crew. So for the next ten days, it says in the book of Acts, about 120 people, just maybe a little bit more than what we've got here this morning, were praying intensely all that week saying, okay, Jesus, you said you've gone. We love you. We believe you. Come be with us. Come Holy Spirit. Basically, Lord, whatever you've got, whatever you've got, please give it to us. Okay? Remember that Jesus has said to his friends earlier, you know, if a you guys, if you're earthly fathers and you know how to be kind to your, your children, If you ask your child, if your child asks you for a fish, are you going to give him a snake? No. If he asks you for a piece of bread, are you going to give him a scorpion? No. You're going to give him something good, right? How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? So he knows these folks are spiritually hungry, and they're just at the right place. They're so receptive and so desperate. Jesus, you can be the boss. Just fill us with whatever you've got. We need you. That's the kind of expectancy we need to come to if we want God to fill us with his spirit, okay? So there's this promise that something big is going to happen. Well, what happened that day? On the day of Pentecost, 10 days after Jesus makes this promise, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Many commentators think they were in that upper room maybe where Jesus had Uh, the Last Supper, we're not sure. 
But they were earnestly praying and saying, God, please come. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. You just imagine. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Now remember, last week I said Holy Spirit, Spirit of God. In Hebrew it's ruach, which means the breath of God, right? And in Greek it's, it's, it's translated pneuma. It's where we get pneumatic tires and it's, it's breath, it's air. It's like God is breathing on them. So this big wind is rushing through the place and people saying, wow, what's, what's going on? And then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each person there. Everyone was filled with Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now more on that in a minute. But God shows up in power. It's remarkable what goes on. So God is baptizing these people. He's overwhelming them. He's flooding them with his presence. Some of the, some of our, um, the folks in our extended church family around, around the world, they, when they baptize people, they, they sprinkle them. They, they do that with water. And I, I'm not... That's how they do things. I've explained in our baptism services that we take people in there. We invite, not take, we invite them in there to come and follow Jesus. And the whole power of that imagery is being overwhelmed or immersed, like buried and then raised up, right? So when people are baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's not just a little, a little dabble do ya. I don't know if you remember Brill Cream. My dad used to use that on me all the time. I hated it. It was like this... It was a precursor to hair gel. It was kind of like axle grease that would slick you all back. And I guess some people thought it was cool. But the motto of Brill Cream was a little dabble do you. Well, yeah, a little dabble do you. Your hair will stay in place for a whole week with that stuff. But some people, that's their attitude toward the Holy Spirit. Well, just a little dabble do you. Not too much, you know. You want to be balanced. You don't want to be over the top. You just looked a little bit. Look, Jesus told his friends... God the Father is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He didn't just say, just a little sprinkle and come on back with just a little eyedropper of grace, just a little bit. No, he says, you're going to get overwhelmed with the presence of God. Just filled. Man, I don't know what kind of week you've had. Uh, My... Here's the dumb thing about being a pastor. Here's one of the dumb things that pastors do. On Sunday, last Sunday morning, you remember how I dismissed you and blessed you and said, ask Jesus what you want to be full of this week. Go home and pray. Do you remember? Some of you do. Rose, you always remember what I do, which is good or bad. I don't know. But anyway, talk about accountability. But uh, that's good. But I said, go home and ask Jesus. Well, by about 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon, God had answered my prayer, even though I wasn't looking for an answer. I said, Rick, here's a lot of things that you need to deal with. And saying, oh, really? Again? Couldn't I just have those people deal with it? Why are you picking on me? Because you said it and you're the leader. So deal with it. Ah, so all week I've been dealing with that. And I don't know about you, but I've come here with a sense of holy desperation and expectancy and saying, Lord, please fill me with your spirit. Not because I'm getting paid to do it and people are expecting me to come up with some performance on a Sunday morning, but as an invitation 
to have the living God in me and flush the junk out of my life so I can be full of Jesus. So that's what I'm after today. I mean, I invite you along for the ride because it'll be great. Because we'll be full of Jesus. So there's the promise of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit will baptize us, overwhelm us, and fill us with the Spirit of God. When you read the Old, the Old Testament, when Holy Spirit would come on people, he would come for a, at a specific time for a specific purpose. And people would do amazing things. But it was just, it was kind of a little dabble, do you? It was like, now, for this time, boom. But the beauty of Pentecost is that Holy Spirit's going to be with us all the time. That he will dwell in us. That he'll make his home in us and stay, Right? That's what Jesus was promising when he left and said to his friends, don't worry, guys, I'm leaving, but a comforter or an advocate, a helper will come. And that's what Pentecost is all about. So there's a promise. Let's talk about the people of Pentecost for a minute. This is fascinating. It says a little later in the passage, right after all these things happened, and these people are speaking in other languages from all around the known world, um, the neighborhood kind of gets rattled because there's this imagery of wind and fire and these prophetic utterances are going on in a variety of languages and it shook up the neighborhood. And if you follow along in chapter 7 of the Bibles in page 831, right, Helen? Right? Okay. Um, you see, they're just completely gobsmacked. They're amazed. How can this be? Because we pe- hear people speaking in our languages. I'm not going to repeat the list. But if you look in the map, all around with Israel, with Jerusalem right in the center, all around the known world, Dr. Luke, who's a really good historian and geography, lists all the language groups that are represented just there in Jerusalem at that day. Now, how did they happen to be there? these people of Pentecost. It says, At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And they were there for the feast, the feast of Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks. It was a harvest festival um, seven weeks after the Passover. Remember, Jesus died in the Passover. Pretty powerful imagery, right? Passover is all about being delivered from Egypt. Jesus delivering us from sin. Well, the Feast of Weeks, pretty powerful um, correlation there as well because in the Feast of Weeks, what people would do, they'd gather together from all over the known world. They'd come and do a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and God's law would be read out loud. And they'd read the Ten Commandments together and meditate that and think, this is God's word. This is how we live. And some people, some real keeners, would stay up all night studying, studying the law, studying the Torah and just soak and soak in God's presence. Pretty powerful. So we've got all these people, religious devout Jews, keeners, people who are really hungry for God. They spend a lot of time and they spend a lot of money and they leave their families behind and they come just to hear people read from the Bible, the Old Testament even. Imagine that, right? They want to be in God's presence. So they're just primed. They're hungry. They're receptive. They're looking for something. And what happens? They come to hear about the mighty works of God. In Hebrew, is read out from the word. And all of a sudden, imagine, they hear about the mighty works of God in their own language. 
Wouldn't that be amazing? Now imagine if you went to Beijing to a church service and everyone was speaking uh, Mandarin and all of a sudden someone speaks up in Canadian praising God. Wouldn't that make your heart sing? Because it's all... Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend anybody who speaks Mandarin, but I don't understand a syllable. But as someone who's speaking English, they go, whoa, look at that. So that's what was happening. People said, this is so remarkable, and people testifying to God in their own languages. Because God was trying to demonstrate to them, he was fulfilling this promise that he would be with his people. He would indwell them, move into them. Now some people think, oh, this is crazy. These people are just drunk. And uh, Peter, bless his heart, full of the Spirit, he steps forward with the other 11 apostles and says, look you, look, you guys, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. We haven't, we're not hungover and we're not on a binge. This is God showing up. And he goes on and preaches this amazing sermon. You can read it at home. Um, quoting all kinds of quotes from uh, the, the Old Testament saying, this is God showing up. So God is fulfilling the promise. And these people of Pentecost are spiritually open, spiritually receptive Jews from all over the known world, just there at just the right time. No coincidence. It's no coincidence that all of us are here this morning. God's got us here for a reason. And he wants to draw us into his presence. He's extending an invitation to us today to say, well, what do you want to be full of? And it's an invitation. It's not, it's not hardcore, but I mean, who wouldn't want to be filled with God, right? And that's what um, is happening. So um, the sermon is too good to uh, ignore, but you'll just have to read it. It's amazing what, uh, how... God uses Peter, this messed up guy with a lot of personal issues, the man who just a few weeks before denied even knowing Jesus, God totally transformed him from a coward to this bold, well-spoken person. And it's all because of the Holy Spirit. It's not because Peter all of a sudden went into some kind of self-help program and magically transformed himself into an amazing public speaker by watching some late-night TV show or some internet ad. No, God transformed him from the inside out. And people responded. It was amazing. The whole point of Pentecost is that Holy Spirit came to point the way to Jesus. Holy Spirit is like uh, the spotlights we have. How many people drive by here at night? You ever see Elam Chapel at night all lit up? Okay. Holy Spirit's like the spotlight on the church. When you drive by, do you look at the spotlight itself? Oh, unless it's out. We've got to change the bulb. But you, you don't really fixate on the light. You look on, wow, the church is lit up. It looks really good. The key role of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate Jesus so we can see Jesus, okay? That's why he's come, to testify to Jesus, to convict us of sin, saying, hey, that's going to mess you up. Don't go that way. Go this way. Follow Jesus. To lead us into the truth, to guide us. It's like a light shining on the church building at night. That's why he's come. And he's come to fill us with the power 
to follow Jesus. He even plants the desire to follow Jesus in our hearts. So if you're fed up with religion, if you're tired of trying to work so hard to do the right thing, can I strongly recommend that you just give up? Religion is too much work. But the Spirit brings life and freedom. It's not about performing or looking good for other people or trying to meet other people's expectations or even your own expectations. It's about having Jesus inside you, giving that that power and grace and knowing in your experience that he loves you, you're fully accepted and free. Free. Transformed. That's what Jesus offers us. So here's a point of Pentecost. Peter's wrapping up in his sermon. He says, God raised Jesus from the dead. Remember, it just happened a few weeks before. And we're all witnesses of this. Now he's exalted the place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, remember the promise of Pentecost? Gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. Drench us, overwhelm us, baptize us. Just as you see in here today. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. So he says, that's the whole point of Pentecost. Holy Spirit has come to say, hey, Jesus is Lord, right? Pay attention. And to give us the ability to follow Jesus, to know in our hearts that we're adopted and loved. (sighs) Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? Friends, I'm going to invite us as we share in communion to uh, invite Holy Spirit to to come, to be with us. Um, There's uh, one more verse I want to leave you with. Remember I talked about this last week. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Really bad choice, right? I had a conversation with a couple of folks today that says, wow, finding freedom has helped me so much. Even though they weren't particularly struggling with a particular addiction, they're just, this. it helps, right? But there's a lot of other things that we ruin our lives with besides alcohol. But don't be filled with that stuff. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a command, and, and if you go back and look at the Greek, the original grammar, we could translate it basically, keep on allowing yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we follow Jesus, it's like a little light goes on in our heart. It's like a little pilot light in our um, kitchen in the NPR. They're, they're little pilot's lights for the gas stoves, right? Now, how do we get any heat out of that thing? You turn on the knob. Even I know that. You turn it on and it goes, and then you get heat, right? But there's a choice. There's a conscious choice. Just like when people get drunk, it's not like the bottle magically elevates and, you know, overwhelms us against our will. There is some kind of choice involved. Even if we are addicted to it and feel like we're trapped, there is some kind of choice where physically we imbibe, right? In a similar way, if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, 
we invite him. We say welcome. We welcome him with a sense of expectancy and we allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I'm willing to trust you to fill me with what you've got for me, whatever it is. Whatever it is that you think I need most, please fill me with that. Okay? That's the invitation. I'm going to invite you to do something. You don't have to do it. But I invite you to hold your hands like this. Okay? Just quietly sit with your hands like this. And you can pray along with me. You want. You're hungry for more of God. And thirsty and tired of burned out on religion, that's a good place to be because Holy Spirit wants to fill us. So let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we recognize our own inadequacies. In fact, we are cheerfully... (laughs) Recognize that we can't do anything on our own. But we know that you want to fill us. So I pray into the heart of every spiritually thirsty person here who is, comes with a holy desperation to be filled with your presence. I pray that you would meet those seeking hearts. In the name of Jesus, we renounce every evil spirit that would that would hinder your spirit from moving right now. This is God's church. This place belongs to Jesus. And he's given us authority over it. So we speak now to any spirit of religion or fear or any other ugly spirit that would want to come in here and keep people in bondage. And in the name of Jesus, we speak freedom to people who are in bondage. And Holy Spirit, We pray that you'd fill us with every good thing that you've got for us. Just breathe in the Holy Spirit. As he comes in, just breathe him in and welcome him. And he will show you. He will guide you into the truth. That's what he does. He's our guide. He's our advocate. Holy Spirit, guide us into the truth for the sake of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We receive this in faith. Just make your presence known to us and help us to pay attention to your promptings in Jesus' name. Amen.